0: Alan Gilman here. This week on Thinking Biblically, we continue our discussion on the end times. It's later than you think. Welcome back to another edition of Thinking Biblically. This week we're continuing our discussion on the end times. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. If you're listening, of course, you can uh, subscribe any way your podcast provider has that set up. Don't forget to comment down below and send questions either in the the comment section or you can email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. To recap last week, uh, what I attempted to do was look at a couple of scriptures that Make clear to us that we are actually currently in the end times, what the Bible actually refers to as the last days. The last days is the time in anticipation of when God is going to restore all things as anticipated in the Old Testament, which eventually became clear that that would be accomplished by the Messiah when. Yeshua, Jesus, appeared on the scene 2,000 years ago. His followers believed that he was going to bring in this time period that the scripture refers to as the age to come. Listen to last week's, if you haven't done so already, and you can see how I explained it there, trying to explain what the Bible actually teaches about these things. And so this time period of, of the last days is the time of anticipation for when God would restore all things, and according to the New Testament, we have been in that time for the last two thousand years, and the Scripture deals with the, the the problem to us that this time period has taken a long a long time, and so we looked at a uh, a few passages like Saint uh, like Second Timothy chapter three that says, "But understand this: that in the last days there will come times of difficulty." And we're going to be looking at that chapter in depth in a in a little while, but he's clearly warning Timothy there about the situation that he was in at that time, not some distant future time period. Uh, Peter's sermon in Acts two refers to Joel's prophecy in in Joel chapter two that talks about God's spirit being poured out upon his people. and he's clearly and that is a last day's passage that's clearly speaking about the time that Peter was in. So let's look at a few more before we get into what I want to look at this week is given that we're in this special time period, the last days, how then shall we live? And I believe the New Testament is very clear on answering that question. But a few more passages that refers to this time period that we're in as the latter days or the last days, Uh, let's look at some of those. 1 Timothy 4 verses 1 through 5. Now, the Spirit, this is again Paul writing, now the Spirit expressly say, expressly says, I go too fast, I'm going to try to slow down. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons, teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. We just celebrated Canadian Thanksgiving. We call it Thanksgiving in Canada. But in contrast to I saw a really cute video about comparing American Canadian Thanksgiving. But anyway, we just celebrated Thanksgiving this past weekend for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer well this is a this is a, an issue that Paul deals with in his letters to the Corinthians that there were people that were forbidding marriage that they were had these teachings about what to eat and what not to eat and uh, these were issues of that day that Paul was referring to as the later times, that that was the time period Paul saw himself in and was teaching Timothy to teach others in how to deal with false teaching, given what was going on in his day. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world the coming of the messiah ushers in what the bible understands to be the last days the later days the end times James chapter 5 verses 1 through 6 Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Isn't the Bible nice? You have laid up treasure. In the last days, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you have held back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So James, like Paul, like the writer of Hebrews, like Peter, uh, on... uh, that day of Shavuot, Pentecost, same kind of idea. With the coming of the Messiah, God has ushered in a special time period, which the Bible refers to as the last days or the latter days, which then people have now referred to as the end times. I mentioned last time I talked about how scholars, rightly so, have seen this time period as the now but not yet. That which was expected with the coming of the Messiah is happening. God is confronting the powers of darkness. He is pushing back, uh, resolving the curse that he put on the creation all the way back at the time when Adam and Eve sinned against him death and all of its awful fruits are being confronted by the power of the messiah through the holy spirit through his people who are following him and trusting in him and he this is which i referred to last time we're in a cosmic battle of a of a of an intensity that wasn't known before the messiah came one of the beautiful things about these last days that have been going on the past two thousand years is that people of every tribe nation and language have been coming to know the god of israel through the jewish messiah these are unprecedented days you know it's been a long time. Many generations have come and gone in these past 2000 years, but this is the time period that we're in. We're in the time of the Messiah and his work against the powers of darkness and we've been invited to be part of that time. But we need to be wise because these are not the nice days. These are not the nice times. This these are this is a battle time, a spiritual battle time. And so that spiritual battle is expressed in properly dealing with, with money and goods, finances, and how we treat one another, and all sorts of wonderful things the Bible teaches us. And so I want to I be clear that I am not belittling this biblical concept of the last days or the end times at all. Far from it. Instead of belittling it, I'm trying to bring it up to that Place of how we're supposed to properly be thinking of these things. It's not as if we've had the nice days and then the last days. It's not as if things have been all nice and comfortable and easy. Again, far from it. You know, some of the end times teaching I hear uh, and have heard through the years, I've I've wondered if the people of the past could hear us talking today. The people who lived through the Holocaust the people who've lived through the communism of eastern europe uh, living under stalin or or living in in places in the world today where totalitarianism has so uh, controlled people's lives and people are suffering. People are suffering for the faith. People are suffering for just being human beings. The things that people have gone through in recent history and in ancient history within these past two thousand years. To think of what the early believers lived through, or the, or the uh, believers who were thrown to the lions in uh, during the time of the Roman Empire, and then we talk about our day as if somehow. We're living in this these horrific times, unprecedented times, when we have we have Amazon that's not a it's not a commercial. You know, we can we with a single click we get goods delivered to our door. Uh and I know these are hard times and people are losing their jobs and and people have been sick and people have been dying, but this sort of thing has been going on for the past 2000 years and the Bible provides us a way in which to navigate great difficult times and navigate great difficult times effectively and make a difference in the name of the Lord wherever we are, whatever day that we're living in. And to think that we've been just waiting for these certain unprecedented times to do what differently exactly— what I what I fear is that we have become laxadaisical with regard to the Word of God and how to live in whatever day that we're living in, and that whoever we are alive today as long as we have breath we have a mission to accomplish and so we need to wake up and do the will of God in our day and I believe that is the answer to the question how then shall we live and so what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at particular end times or last days teaching that we've been given in the new testament to help us understand how then shall we live and so i want to go back to uh, a little bit of what we looked at last time matthew 24 and also we're gonna look at matthew 25 uh, at this section where the disciples ask the lord uh the question um the Lord had just been talking about the, the temple buildings and no actually let's let me get my bearings here. the disciples were commenting on how beautiful the temple was and the Lord Yeshua Jesus makes a comment about there won't be a single stone left remaining the whole thing's going to be completely destroyed. So then they ask him a double-pronged question when will these things be when will the temple be destroyed and what will be the sign of your coming? And then he goes on, I'm not going to take time to read it, read it on your own, he answers both questions and it is not clear, contrary to what some people say, it's not clear what of the two-part question he's answering. He's answering both questions at once and integrates the the, the two uh, issues, the two questions, the destruction of the when's going to be the destruction of the temple? What's going to be the sign of your coming? And in some way that it encapsulates the time in which we live, that these past two thousand years have been the outworking of the plan of God in restoring all things through the Messiah, and a time period that possibly the disciples thought was going to be a lot shorter than what has actually been. So I want to look at what the Lord says in Matthew 24 and 25 in answering the question, how then shall we live? And so let's begin by looking at Matthew 24, verses 36 through 39. Uh, Yeshua says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So whatever the section means prior to what the Lord is teaching here, as he tries to answer that, tries, as he answers the question, the double-pronged question of, when will these things be, destruction of the temple, and what will be the sign of your coming? Then he begins to explain, how then shall we live? And the first thing is, concerning that day and hour, no one knows. So we need to be very careful of any kind of teaching that claims to know what the Lord says we do not know. And one of the reasons why we need to remember that is because he says people will be caught unaware. That the Lord's coming to judge and to restore all things is going to come at a time we are unaware. Therefore, we need to keep at what we need to be keeping at, which is following the Lord and trusting in him and doing his will. That's what we've been given to do. We have not been given the task of figuring out when he's coming. Let's go down to verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. For know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect." So there it is again, stay awake, keep aware, do what you're supposed to be doing because you don't know when the Lord is coming. Okay, let's now look at uh, the next section, Matthew 24, 45 to 51. "'Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes.' we are supposed to keep with living the life that God has called us to live. We need to behave ourselves. And there's a hint here that there will be a delay. People will actually wonder what is taking him so long. And some will take advantage of that. And we mustn't, don't, we mustn't do that. And notice the warning. Look at what happens to those who take advantage of the fact that the Lord's taking a long time in returning. They are cast out. In Matthew 25, now verses 1 to 13. I'm not going to I'm not going to read that for sake of time, but this is the parable of the ten virgins, their bridesmaids, actually. And some are prepared with extra oil in their lamps, and some are not prepared with extra oil. And the ones who are not prepared get shut out when the bridegroom returns. And so we need to always be prepared? Are we we paying attention? Are we focused on God's word? Are we praying? Are we keeping short accounts with God and other people? Are we prepared? And to not be prepared is very, very serious. Then there's the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 verses 14 to 30 And this reminds us that we need to be faithful what God has given us. In the parable of the talents, we see these three people each are apportioned talents of silver. Uh, The the word talent is where we get the word for the the various gifts and things that we have in life uh, where God has apportioned to us these abilities. And so that all comes from this parable. And so one person's given five talents, another person's given two, another person's given one. The, the ones with the five and the two talents come back and they double what the what the master had given them after he'd gone away for a while. And there's that idea, too, that he was going to go away for a while. And they're rewarded um, by, by the master for doubling their investments. While the one who had only one, he was scared that he was going to lose it. He knew the master was a hard master. It's a very interesting insight that he has that the master affirms. And he gets into big trouble for simply preserving the little bit that he had. He hid it away and he brought it out. He didn't do anything with it. He, he was too afraid to risk what he'd got. And as a result, what the one that he had was given to the one that now had ten, and he also is cast out. And so we're reminded here that we need to be faithful to whatever it is the Lord has given us. And it's very serious to to hoard it or to not risk failure in the name of serving the great king. Matthew twenty five, verses thirty-one to forty-six, the next section, that's the parable of the sheep and the goats which is not really about sheep and goats. It's about the nations being gathered before um, the Lord, the king. Uh, He judges them, and he judges them on the basis of serving others and helping the needy. And it's interesting because they're unaware that they're actually serving the king by serving other people. And here we're again reminded— Instead of being all concerned about the time we're living in what to do and what it means and, and all the rest, these are people that are simply getting on with getting on serving God. And they're doing it, in a sense, innocently. They're simply serving. They're helping people like we've been made to do. People don't realize that, that God, all the way back in the, in the Garden of Eden, gave human Beings, the task of taking care of the creation, which would include include taking care of one another, having kids, multiplying, filling the earth, taking care of one another, taking care of the earth. We've been given the job of stewards of the creation. That's why we're on planet Earth, and so we need to be getting on with doing that. And yet we get distracted. We sometimes we think we're so spiritual by the way we are um, um, figuring out puzzles found in scripture when we would be far better off getting on with the task at hand which is truly loving god and then loving one another by, by serving one another and we see in that parable at the end of matthew 25 that to fail to do so means eternal punishment it's very very serious so now let's turn to second timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, which is what I started with last week, and I mentioned it earlier today. I want to read this chapter because because there is a way of thinking that Paul has here that should instruct us on how to deal with the day that we are in, the last days. But understand this, Paul writes, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdening, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, so Paul, first of all, is painting this very negative picture of what he calls in the last days, which from reading the whole context is clear, he was talking about the day that he was in so that he could advise Timothy along the following lines. Again, verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, the Messiah Yeshua, will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul is not saying that one day in the distant future, some people are, are going to be badly persecuted. Paul is telling Timothy, reminding him, of the hardships that the true believer must endure, like Paul did, like Timothy must, and like all of us ever since then, generation after generation. All who desire to live a godly life in the Messiah Yeshua will be persecuted. Godly living always results in pushback. We live in a world that is still saturated in evil. God is is confronting that evil. But as he does that, there will be pushback and some of that would be will be pretty violent. And yet we tend to think that we could navigate this life and and get off without suffering, without persecution. Then things in the society take another turn and it's, oh dear, what are we going to do? As if it's a big surprise. But I really wonder If we have failed to be the salt and the light, refer to the Sermon on the Mount, Yeshua's teaching there, have we really been the salt and light that we should have been all along? Have we been living the kind of godly life we should have been living all along? I really wonder, how many times have we compromised in order to keep job, to keep peace in the family, to keep peace in our congregations, uh, to keep peace with our lusts? How often have we compromised and so therefore avoided the pain, avoided the suffering, avoided the persecutions that would have naturally naturally come about as a result of being the kind of people we should have been all along? I wonder. I wonder how much we've actually, well, gotten away with but not gotten away with because if we've been compromising... We haven't been getting away with anything. We've been going down a slippery slope of becoming more and more like the world that Yeshua came to rescue, instead of being the rescuers that we've been called to be. So, now verse 14. But as for you, writing to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in the Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, given the difficult times that Paul and Timothy were living in, Paul's instruction to Timothy was keep on on sticking to that which you have learned and you reminds him that that primarily the equipment that god has provided in order to live in this life as we should is the scripture the bible and as some of you know have heard me teach on this before I'm not making this up when paul says all scripture to timothy He's speaking about what has become known as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. And he's saying that the Hebrew Scriptures are sufficient to train us to live effective godly lives. The Scriptures are sufficient for us to know how to live in whatever day that we're in. And in this time of the now but not yet, the scriptures provide us with what we need to know how to navigate these last days. And we saw some of that in the teaching of Yeshua in Matthew 24 and 25. The disciples had started off with, they want to know what's, when is what going to happen. And his teaching was not how to figure out exactly what's going to happen when. Yes, we should be alert to the times we're in. And the times we, we're in, We uh, there's different dynamics that are involved. We need to know God's wisdom in how to deal with the, the various unique elements of whatever age we're in, whatever time period in, the, the various unique challenges of each generation. And we're going through certain things right now that, that it seems few people have any real understanding of what those are. We need to understand what that is in order to respond properly. But the basic principles of how to live godly lives never change. We need to walk with God we need to, we, and we learn to walk with God by understanding his word. And we not only understand his word in our heads, because that's not worth anything. Understanding his word means to live out what God teaches us in his word. And in this unusual time period, in these last days, we've been equipped by the power of the Spirit who inspired the scripture, and he empowers us to live a, a life of effectiveness in our day. So we need to know God's word and we need to be sensitive to God's Ruach HaKodesh, his Holy Spirit, and be empowered by him. But it also takes guts. It takes courage to stand against the forces of evil in our day, to not be swallowed up by whatever the crowd is thinking and be pressured by the expectations of family, of congregation. Of society, of, of our employment and all the rest. But to put, always be putting God first and living according to his word. And when we do that, family, congregation, work, society can be blessed. Like Abraham of old in, in this week's Torah Bites message, I talk about how um, Abraham Follow the Lord's instructions to follow him. The same thing that we're called to right now. Uh, Not to follow the science. Not to follow the crowd. But to follow Messiah with all we've got. And when we do that, we will confront the powers of darkness in our day. We'll experience pushback, but we'll also be God's channel of rescue of those who so desperately need him. And so what we see here in 2 Timothy reminds us that we do need to think biblically, which is what this podcast is is dedicated to. How do we really think biblically? How do we think biblically about the end times so that we're not just swallowed up by what people think? Thinking biblically includes living biblically. We live biblically as we think biblically, and we do that by not being uh, pulled, uh, pulled by the latest fads, not by personality cults, not by systems. People want to impose systems upon God's word rather than allowing ourselves to be immersed in it and getting to know God better by the, the full breadth of, of his word. We often are more loyal to, to people than we are loyal to, to God and his word, and and we need to either get back to that or get to that for the very first time. If you have any questions, comments, put them in the description, not the description, put them in the comments below, or email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. You can go to the to thinkingbiblically.org on the web. And there you can sign up for my newsletter where I'll keep you up to date with whatever's going on with my teaching, my writing, and, and so on. And so until then, this is Alan Gilman for Thinking Biblically.